This is The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG FM. To start off today, I'd like you to imagine that you meet a man who is 27 years old and he's deaf. But he's not what you might think of as a typical deaf man who learned sign language from a young age and who can communicate his thoughts fluently with it. For this man, the situation is different. He was raised in the poverty of rural Mexico. He was born profoundly deaf and never had any special needs education at all. He has no understanding of sign language or any other language. He is a man without words. He doesn't even understand that there's such a thing as language. And now imagine that you are asked to teach this man to speak. Well, this exact scenario was not imaginary for an educator named Susan Schaller. This exact scenario happened to her. And Susan was kind enough to tell her story to The Sun Also Rises in an interview that we conducted via Skype. And it's a truly inspiring story. Hello. Hello there. This is Jeremiah Jacques. Before she launched into the main part of her story, Susan gave some really interesting background information about how she first came to speak sign language. A huge lesson in my life is that life happens when we're making other plans. So I I thought I was on the way to medical school. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a doctor. She was 17 years old. And a car hit me, and I ended up with a concussion in the hospital. The concussion was severe, and because of it, she couldn't read for a while. So she was excused from all of her high school classes, but she was not content to just sit around all day waiting to feel well enough to be able to go back to school. I was a senior in high school, and I was bored out of my mind. One of her friends had an excellent idea for how to counteract that boredom. And it was an idea that would end up changing the entire direction of Susan's life. Her friend suggested that I go to a nearby university because nobody would know I'm not a college student. (laughs) (laughs) So she took the friend's advice. She started just dropping in on random classes at the college. So I just randomly chose a door and I opened up the first door on the left, the hallway that I walked down, and the professor was signing. Now, it wouldn't be so strange now, but this was 1972, and it had actually never happened at a hearing university. It was the first time. I didn't know that I was walking into history because I was only 17 years old. She also didn't know until much later that this just happened to be the very first university in the world in history that opened its doors up in a serious way to deaf students. The reason I bring this story up is people ask how or why I I decided to work with the deaf, I never decided. I never decided to learn sign language. I never decided to work with deaf people. I fell in love with this beautiful signing. It was just like watching Van Gogh painting in the air. And one doesn't decide to fall in love with a poem or or music. And in this case, this beautiful visual language, I just fell in love. And I started going to that class every single day. Well, over the course of the next five years... Susan studied signing with passion, and she became fluent in it. And she moved to Los Angeles and signed up with the Registry of Interpreters for the Deaf. And for her very first assignment, they asked her to go to the newest campus of the City Community College 
to help out with what was called a reading skills class. And I thought they had made a mistake because everyone in the room signed. And uh, at first I thought, well, maybe the teacher doesn't know sign language and I'm supposed to interpret for the teacher. But I saw this woman who was just surrounded by deaf people and she signed. And so I was ready to leave the classroom to call the registry of interpreters. She thought they had made a mistake in telling her which room or which campus to go to. She thought that there was no purpose for her to be there, so she started to leave. I was at the doorway when I saw this man holding himself. He was so scared. He was obviously scared. The man was Ildefonso. That's not his real name, but that's what Susan calls him in her book for confidentiality purposes. And he was holding himself, his own straitjacket with his arms. Susan describes this moment beautifully in her book, A Man Without Words. I'll just read a passage from it here. With arms tightly folded into themselves across his chest, he was studying everything and everyone. His face looked like a painting from a Mexican mural, with wild black eyes above high cheekbones and a broad straight nose. There was bewilderment and fear in his look, and something else as well. Alertness, intensity, and yearning. His dark eyes racing back and forth were not simply scanning the room. They were searching. So Susan was obviously intrigued by Ildefonso. She wanted to learn more about him, so she approached him. I went up and introduced myself. In sign language, she said, hello, my name is Susan. Ildefonso's reply was something that really baffled Susan. He looked right back at her, and he brought up his hands, And in sign language, he said to her, Hello, my name is Susan. He made a very bad copy. And I thought that was very strange, because if you knew another language, if I I met a Korean, the Korean might not know anything I was saying, but wouldn't try to copy my English, you know? (laughs) That's true. Well, this went on for several minutes. Everything Susan said... Ildefonso tried to mimic. And she realized after a little while that the fact that he was copying her meant he didn't know what she was doing. He didn't understand that she was using words and language to convey ideas. She realized that this man didn't have language, and he didn't even know that language existed. I was confused, and I, I um, very, very slowly realized this man had no idea what I was doing. He had no idea what language was. The magnitude of this is hard to grasp. It's actually almost impossible for those of us who rely on words to express every idea, and even to form every thought, to imagine what it means to be languageless. So Ildefonso was 27 years old, but he didn't know that he was deaf. His whole life, Ildefonso had seen people's mouths moving. He kept staring at mouths, and he he knew something was happening. He saw other people responding to those movements, and then moving their own mouths. But he thought that everyone else figured out these lip movements visually just by what they saw. He didn't know there was such a thing as sound. And so he thought, I don't get it, so I must be stupid. (laughs) ¶¶ 
But despite believing that he was just too stupid to understand, something in Ildefonso made him keep on trying. And Susan found his perseverance very inspiring. I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And I couldn't walk away from him. And I thought, I thought, how could anyone go, later I found out, it was 27 years, 27 years without language. He was born profoundly deaf to hearing parents, and she was never exposed to sign language, and he never heard, obviously. And the most amazing thing about him when I first met him was he had not given up. He doesn't give up. He keeps trying to figure out what's happening on Mouse. I, I really believe I would have given up. I, I think as a teenager, I would have given up. And most people I ask, they think they would have given up. Well, how frustrating is that? And <laughs> especially if you're thinking you're stupid. Susan says at that point, she couldn't walk away. She was determined to help Ildefonso, where all the other authorities and educators in his life had failed him. I thought, what an impossible job. How do, you, how do you start introducing language with language? I mean, using language. Again, if, if we took Spanish or Chinese, and, and even if it was total immersion, we already know what language does. We know what English does. But Ildefonso didn't know what language did. He didn't understand that people used signs and sounds to convey ideas to other people. So Susan had a mountain of a job before her. She wasn't sure where to start, but she had to begin somewhere. So she took out a book, and then she made the sign for book. But that sign is basically pressing the two palms together in something that looks like the typical prayer gesture, and then swinging them open along a hinge right along the pinkies. So it looks like opening a book. He thought that she was ordering him to open up a book. So he grabbed the book from her, and he opened it. He was eager to follow orders, but he just didn't understand that she was trying to show him the word, the symbol, the language for book. So I attempted to tell him what a word was using words, and attempting to tell him what a sign was using signs, which is pretty impossible. She would point to a door and sign door, and he would point to the door, or go to the door. He couldn't make the connection in his mind. This went on for weeks and weeks. For hours a day, she would try to teach him. And for hours a day, he would fail to understand. So I I could tell from his eyes that he was very intelligent. They were only inches apart for these lessons, but Susan says they might as well have been on different planets. She says it was the single most frustrating thing she had ever experienced in her life. I went home and I cried many nights because I thought, how can I get through this? She thought about giving up. She wondered if maybe he was too old to be helped. Or maybe he'd just been languageless for too long. But Susan was convinced that there was intelligence trapped inside of Ildefonso, and she ached to unlock it. And then one day, she had an idea. So one day, as as a... (laughs) 
as I, I always think of this because it seems to be true that the only really brilliant thought I ever had in my life was thinking about ignoring him. The idea of a teacher ignoring a student may not initially sound like a good one. It may not sound like what was needed to break through. But the reason Susan thought it might work was because... Because he studied, because he was intelligent, because he watched people. And if I ignored him and didn't have eye contact with him, with deaf people, eye contact is listening, basically. And so if I didn't have any eye contact, he had no choice but just to watch me. So she pretended to ignore Ildefonso. She set him off to the side of the classroom, and instead of teaching to him, she taught to an invisible, imaginary Ildefonso. She set up an empty chair across from her, and she stopped talking to or making any eye contact with the real Ildefonso, and only talked to this imaginary Ildefonso. I set up an, an empty chair, and I taught this invisible student. First, she would play the role of teacher, and to the invisible student, she would motion toward a drawing of a cat, and also the word cat. And she would explain to the invisible Ildefonso what the word was for cat. And then she would switch roles. She would hop into the other chair, the invisible Ildefonso's chair, and she would pretend to be him. I would pretend to be the student. I would, I would sit in the chair. When she was playing the role of student, she would pretend to finally get it, to finally understand what idea was being conveyed. With her facial expression, she would show the idea of a breakthrough in understanding. And then I'd go, oh, I get it, and, and I'd pretend to understand, and I'd walk up to the blackboard and I started petting C-A-T as if it was a cat. And then I would become the teacher and go, no, 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 no. Susan would go back and forth, playing both parts, student and teacher. And Ildefonso watched the whole thing from the side of the classroom. Sometimes it would become really athletic for Susan, with her jumping literally back and forth from one chair to another. I mimed like something in my head, and I would throw it at you. And then I turned into the student again, and I would catch the thing that you threw at me, and then I'd put it in my head, and then I'd, I'd sign cat. And anyway, this went on and on and on, and hours and hours of more frustration. And it went on for days, and Ildefonso often looked bored. At the end of some days, Susan felt sure it would be the last time that she would see him. She thought that after failing to understand for so long, that surely he would give up. It was so frustrating. It was so obvious he was frustrated. It was so obvious I was frustrated. And he came back, and I never understood why did he come back. And I, I sometimes didn't understand why I came back. <laughs> <laughs> Susan says it got to a point where Ildefonso sort of reverted back to his previous withdrawn self because he thought she was crazy. He, he went back to holding himself in that scared position and just, just thought I was crazy and looked like, I was, like he thought I was crazy. And many days went by and nothing happened. Ildefonso wasn't the only one who was ready to throw in the towel. And I was almost ready to give up. I think I was almost ready to give up. So one day, one day when I was very close to giving up and feeling, feeling pretty crazy, like in my head I had a, a Texan accent. 
I would have slow versions, fast versions. <laughs> I'm just trying all kinds of variations. And, uh, <laughs> and then one day... While Susan was showing the cat sign to the imaginary Ildefonso for the 100th time, she saw the real Ildefonso shift in his chair. His body changed. I mean, I could something happened. I mean, and I turned and looked at him. She describes this moment beautifully in her book. Suddenly he sat up, straight and rigid, his head back and his chin pointing forward. The whites of his eyes expanded as if in terror. He looked like a wild horse pulling back, testing every muscle before making a powerful lunge over a canyon's edge. Ildefonso had broken through. He realized in a flash that the idea of a cat in one person's mind could join the idea of a cat in another person's mind just by speaking or signing the word cat. He looked all around the room and realized that everything has a name. For those of us with languaged brains, that's something that we just take for granted. We don't even think about the fact that we have names for everything. But for this 27-year-old man, that was a foundational truth that he had never been able to understand. And suddenly, in a flash, thanks to Susan's perseverance and her patience and her dedication and her rare resourcefulness, he finally understood everything has a name. What was, what's really amazing to me is that he, he looked at everything as if he had seen it for the first time. Oh, everything has a name. And he started pointing to everything. He slapped his hands on the table and looked at Susan. She signed table, and he understood. He pointed to the door. She said door, and he understood. He wanted to know the name for wall or window or door or me or, or him. And Susan's face was wet with tears. But Ildefonso was fascinated by this discovery. After 27 years of being isolated from all other people, linguistically cut off from the human race, Ildefonso understood, and he was just enthralled by this discovery. He wanted to know the name for everything. He, he went through this crazy stage that we, we allow little kids to go through, but he's an adult, and, and if you see little kids at two years old, and they, they say, what's that, what's that, what's that, what's that, and they just point to everything, what's that, what's that, what's that, and that's basically the stage he went through. But after a few minutes of rapidly learning new words, Ildefonso realized what this all meant. He turned pale and collapsed on his desk. He broke down and he started crying and sobbing. He finally all at once saw the prison that he had existed in alone for all those years. He saw that he'd been cut off from all other people. And he understood why he had felt so isolated for his whole life. Susan read an excerpt from her book that describes what this all meant for Ildefonso. He had entered the universe of humanity, discovered the communion of minds. He now knew that he and a cat and the table all had names. And the fruit of his knowledge had opened his eyes to evil. He could see the prison where he had existed alone, shut out of the human race for 27 years. 
Welcome to my world, Ildefonso, I thought to myself. Let me show you all the miracles accomplished with symbols, all the bonds and ties between human beings, young and old, and even with those dead for centuries. Come, Ildefonso, eat my CAT and taste the sweetness of human connections. I will show you how to bathe in the swirling magical river called language. You can swim anywhere, meet anyone and anything, or just float on one of those lovely names. Let me open the door to this world that refused to let you join. Let me introduce you to your captors who kept you locked in a black hell of meaningless and incomprehensible loneliness. It was a really emotional time for student and teacher. But they fought through it, and after that moment, teaching Ildefonso to speak happened pretty easily. He was eager to learn, he was intelligent, and he was in love with words. He carried around papers and notebooks, and he would ask Susan to write out all kinds of words for him, and he cherished these papers. He studied them often. Susan saw that her work was done, so she left the center and she left Ildefonso to continue learning with other teachers. Several years later, she was able to reestablish contact with him, and she was just shocked by how fluently he was able to speak. I worked with him, he had baby language, and then years later, I, I saw him and he was a fluent signer. In her book, she writes about what it felt like to see her former student signing fluently. She wrote, I couldn't identify my feelings as I watched Ildefonso sign with confident, fluid movements. At first, I thought perhaps the swelling and tightness inside might be akin to parental feelings, but no, that wasn't right. We had struggled too much together, conspiring against something big and unknown. It was wonderful for her to see that he could convey his thoughts and that he was fluent in the language. So she asked him what his world had been like before that breakthrough moment. What did you think before language, she asked him. What was your life like? What was the quality of your thought? Ildefonso was visibly uncomfortable with the questions. He said he couldn't think that way anymore. He was incapable of thinking in the dark, isolated way he used to think. Susan pushed him about it a little bit, and the closest he ever came to any kind of an answer was saying that it was dark, and that in some ways he didn't really remember what his thoughts were like for those 27 years. He said he didn't really know how to talk about that dark time. Well, I hope you'll consider picking up a copy of Susan's book, A Man Without Words. There's so much more in there than we were able to cover today. It's beautifully written, and it's a very inspiring and humbling read. She also said that she is happy to connect via her website, susanschaller.com. That's S-C-H-A-L-L-E-R. Well, we are coming to the end of The Sun Also Rises here on kpcg.fm. We really appreciate your tuning in today and listening to this story. 
I'd like to extend a really hearty thank you to Susan Schaller for speaking with us today and just sharing her very inspiring story and for having the patience and the determination and the drive and perseverance to be such an exceptional educator. I'd also like to thank the KPCG operations manager, Dwight Falk, and the production assistant, Abraham Blondell. And I'll leave you with the words of Ildefonso himself, who now works as a skilled landscaper. These are words which he can now speak thanks to Susan. He said this after Susan and a documentarian asked Ildefonso what he would like to tell the world. I could be envious of this documentarian. I could be resentful. He got an education. He gets to be a professor. He gets to make films. I could be jealous. Or I could make whatever I can beautiful. When I garden, it doesn't matter what people think of me. If I am making a beautiful garden, if I'm doing the best I can, I am equal to him. Well, thank you again, and please tune in next week for another episode.